I got to share my welcome earlier this morning, but uh, get another chance to now that I get to share the message with you. And uh, I'd just like to say I'm Greg, and um, I'm on staff here at Faith Covenant Church. Hi, Squire. <clears throat> and uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. If you have an opportunity to fill out a Connect card this morning, we would love to uh, give you a gift if you want to turn that Connect card into. Uh, myself or at the Welcome Center or there's other folks around here, they'd uh, know what to do with that. That would be fabulous um, and, and welcome to you all. Um, I love this. It's a little long and I get that, but it's a beautiful opportunity to talk about love. I love this. Yeah. Um, uh, Jesus lived a lifestyle of love. It's a beautiful thing that it says that, isn't it? Uh, and he also said if, if Jesus hadn't lived that lifestyle of love, his words wouldn't mean that much to us now today, right? But because he did and he was that truth and he lived that lifestyle, that absolutely we can follow that and know that he is love. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your love to us. Thank you that uh, you are our first love and that you give us new life. And Father, we pray for that this morning. Direct our path, direct our minds to your word and your truth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, this week, I was, uh, was looking at a couple of different things, and I come, came across an article that was called 40 Evidences That You May Have Left Your First Love. Um, 40 Evidences That You May Have Left Your First Love. And it intrigued me because I had heard that phrase, first love, and I, and I, 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 I didn't know it at the time, but I looked it up and made sure. In Revelation 2, verse 4, uh, God told the church at Ephesus, I, I have this one thing against you, and that is that you have abandoned your first love. And so uh, it made me go back to that and think about that, um, that, that verse and, or, or that scripture. And what does that mean for us? And I wanted to go into just a little bit uh, of talking about what first love is to start this off. Um, I want to be sure that we all know what it is and what it isn't, what first love is and isn't. It is not, a couple of things here, the crush you had in fifth grade. That's not what our first love is. Uh, it's not your high school sweetheart. It's not your mom or even your spouse. What first love is, is referring to the, the first place in line that receives your love. What do you love first in your life? Not the first time, but the first love. And God intends us to put him in that space of what we love first over all other things um, and even our, even our families, which is hard to do, but that's what scripture tells us. Um, and, and I only had, a re had to read three of these, 40, to be convicted. And I'm going to share them with you, uh, just kind of quickly to, to run through them. Um, these 40 evidences that you may have left your first love. You may have left your first love if you don't have a strong hunger for the word, or Bible reading is a chore, or something to mark off your to-do list. Uh, sometimes that happens for us. This, re this week was not, uh, was not a chore for me at all um, to read the Bible. But there are times when it happens. When I'll sit down and anything that's out there can distract me. Squirrel! You look the other way. That doesn't work, Doug. <laughs> so I, I didn't get any of you on that, but it does, it does dis things like that will distract me so easily. Um, and I'll, I'll let you know this. I know that even when it's difficult to focus in, reading God's word is always worth it. Reading God's word is always 
worth it. You'll always receive something from God. Um, Here's some of the ways that I try to combat uh, Bible reading as becoming a chore. And the first one is pray. Pray first. God, give me your direction in that. And I don't, I'm not perfect in that either. I, I try to make sure that I do it every time. God, what do you have for me in this word today? Um, but that's the first one that I would suggest going to. Read until something pops out to you. Sometimes we get in this idea that if we read large sections of scripture, um, that we're going to get more out of it. And it is great to, to read large sections of scripture. It's okay. Uh, and you get context, you get uh, more of what's there. Um, but at the same time, I think for me, and because I do get distracted easily, if I find something that pops out or that stands out to me, and I focus in on that, and that's, what I, that's where I'm going to stay today. Even if it's something you read before, or maybe it's something you've never heard, but when it pops out, you can, you can stop there, and that, that might be what God had for you today. And you don't necessarily have to go on um, and, and, and be a regimented um, uh, you don't have to read the whole thing, but sometimes, again, it's great to read the whole thing, and that's okay as well, but something that helps me is to stop when I see something pop out. Look for something that leaves a question in your mind that you can start to research later. I love that piece of it. When I get a chance to find something that I don't quite understand in the Bible, I'll go to, to Pastor Kurt or um, uh, Pastor Dick, and, and, and I'll ask them the questions. Uh, there are lots of other people that I go to as well, but um, we get good conversations in that. And, uh, and, and we help to have resolve. Uh, you can look for something that you can tell others, something that excites you and is for you, but it's also, some, also something that you can tell others. Another one that I saw in this for you that convicted me um, were you may have lost your first, or excuse me, you may have left your first love. If you're more concerned about what others think about you and pleasing them than about what God knows and pleasing Christ. Now, this is a tough one for me because I want people to like me. You may be in the same boat as me, but I want people to like me. That's part of who I am. And um, here's a, here, when, I, when I've had something that I've done for the Lord and I hear from him, well done. He gives me that whisper. And a few moments later, I get a complaint about the stage not having enough light. Which one stays in my ear? For hours, sometimes even days, and and uh, I, I, I think I think because they don't like me, they don't like me, or uh, they're they're mad at me, even if it really is just because they're trying to help remove a distraction from them for worship or from others as well. I get this mentality. I call it the feline mentality. I think it's all about me, and it doesn't matter if anything falls from your counter in your house and your cat's near it, or even not near it, what does your cat do? Pew! I'm out of here. It, it makes this noise, and, and the, cat, the cat thinks it's all about me. And it's not all about me. And I have to realize that. Sometimes it's not about me, and I, but I get into that mentality. What I need is the dog mentality. You know, it's, it's more of a, how can I help? Where should I lick up now? Should I lick your face or the spill? What do you want me to do? Either way, I'm here to serve. That's the kind of mentality that I want to have. I'm sorry I made it sound like the dumb dog, because they're really smart, aren't they? But that's the kind of mentality that I want to have, and I've learned to do it a bit better, and that is not to allow things to get so personal to me, but it's still tough for me. And here are a few ways that I try to remember to please God first. Um, pray. 
Again, that's kind of the obvious one that you might hit with each one of these. Um, pray if you want God to speak to you. Pray if you want God to direct you. Um, and then another one in this one is uh, remember that everyone has a story and a tradition. Sometimes I think that mine is the only story out there. And then I realize, oh, there are everybody, in fact, has a story and a history and a tradition that they bring to what we're talking about. And so... Um, so I don't need to be offended because of their story. Uh, and and <clears throat> I need to ask myself, how will my reaction to this reflect God? People know that I'm a Christian and somebody um, tells me something that, that maybe I don't agree with and I get frustrated and in the moment I, I do whatever. How, uh, how am I putting God first in that um, and pleasing him instead of myself? My reaction needs to reflect who God is and that's what I want to try to do in my life. The third one that, uh, that I heard in there or that I read in there, um, you may have left your first love if you're more interested in recreation, entertainment, and having fun, quote unquote, than cultivating intimacy with Christ through worship, prayer, and the word and Christian fellowship. Um, so I have to own this one. I put it down here because I wanted to, uh, to spread out the blame a little bit, but I have to own this one. In, in my family, I've done a lot of praying that people would have a good time. And, uh, and, and I think that's okay. There's nothing wrong with, necessarily wrong with praying that people would have a good time. Um, but it might, it might help a little bit more if we were to pray that they would draw closer to Jesus or find healing in a relationship, these, these kinds of things. And so when I say I put the blame on myself, I hear it now in my family pretty regularly when we say, hey, who would you like to pray for? Well, let's pray for Mimi and Pappy so that they have a good time. And let's pray for Grammy and Grandpa so that they have a good time. And I think, again, it's not bad to pray that someone has a good time. But maybe there are more, more important things that, we, that I could be praying for in that situation. Um, and so I, I think having fun kind of um, hits on that, that piece that we pray for having a good time. I rarely try to find movies or even parts of movies that relate to my walk with Jesus. I like to just kind of have them as entertainment, right? And that, if that becomes more important than my walk with Jesus, if it becomes an escape from life or I, I can't find anything redemptive in it, then maybe I'm watching it for the wrong purposes, and I need to be aware of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think that movies are evil, nor do I think that intimacy with Jesus can't be fun. Um, in fact, I think we've already had quite a bit of fun uh, worshiping together. We've had, some, we've had some opportunities to laugh together. We've fellowshiped together, and I think that was fun. Somebody shared with me this morning um, after, after I shared it for service that they, they thought that fun in the Christian community is really you have fun when you feel like you're well-accepted and well-loved, and, uh, and that can be a place of fun for you. And I thought, that's a really good word. I need to share that with you all. Um, but if all we're looking for is the fun we may have left our first love. This article could easily be taking, taken legalistically, but the reason that I decided to stick with it and read it is because it said evidences that you may have left your first love, not evidences that you have left your first love. And we definitely need to be careful because conviction without resolution, conviction without some form of resolution is simply shame. And shame is going to produce anger, 
uh, a fight back mentality potentially and even potentially depression. And the fact is, I'm not trying to convict anybody. I, that's the Holy Spirit's job. What I am doing is sharing what God has put on my heart and, and that maybe some of you are in the same boat with that and that we can figure out how to resolve our situation so that we can come back to our first love, Jesus, who loved us first. And he loved us by giving us new life. There's a couple of scriptures that I want to read, and we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 65 and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll have them up here, and I just want you to look at the, see if you can find some parallels between these two scriptures. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice in what I create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17 through 20, actually. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors as though we were making his appeal, excuse me, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. There's, uh, there's many, uh, many pieces that overlap here, and, uh, and we see, um, we see corresponding pieces that I want to share with you that I found in here, and you can take those and, and find other spaces, I'm sure, as well, that overlapped in these two scriptures. Um, the first one that I saw is that out of God's love for us, he gives us the hope of a new creation. So we talked about love and what love is, and God is our first love, and he gives us new life because of his love. He gives us the hope of new life and a new creation. And we see that in, in the first portions of both of these scriptures. I will create a new heavens and a new earth. And in 2 Corinthians, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Um, so we see the new has come. He gives us the hope of something new in our lives. And then he, um, he they, the two scriptures continue on, and there's a couple of places that I want to point out the one, uh, the Isaiah talks a lot about rejoicing and joy over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. There's joy there. And the, the place that I found joy in the Second Corinthians verse um, section was, uh, was tw- verse 20. When we therefore, uh, excuse me, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That is so amazing to me. That God is not only in me, but he's using me to make his appeal to others. He doesn't send me out into the world and say, hey, there you go. Go check it out. Do what you can. I've told you what you need to do. No, he goes in me and he speaks through me if I will allow him to do that. I find that so joyful that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through 
us. I am Christ's ambassador. That is, that's amazing to me. That's where I find the joy in that scripture. There's another one that I found that corresponds, and that is that there is peace, or we talked about this as the word shalom, which means to restore or bring back together. Um, and when we look at the Isaiah scripture, there is, there's no more weeping and crying uh, will be heard no more in, in Jerusalem, is what he's saying. There's, there's restoration, and so therefore, as the healing has come, there is peace, there is shalom. Um, and in the Second Corinthian scripture, all this is from God who reconciled himself to uh, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have a ministry of reconciliation which is bringing back together. It's, a, it's the same idea as Shalom where we restore, um, where we, he restores in us first and then we have the chance to restore in others. I need to turn around the statement that was made at the beginning because when I read the, uh, the, that article, 40 Evidences That uh, You May Have Left Your First Love, I went, oh, couldn't we say it the other way around and say, here are evidences that you may have Christ as your first love. And, and I look at these scriptures to help us find that place. You may have Christ as your first love if you choose joy. Joy comes from believing in God's promise of new life, that he will give us new life, and that he's going to give us eternal life. Joy comes from the knowledge that if we know that we get to be with God forever, that we can have joy on this earth. That's where, that's where our joy can bud from. How do we show joy to the outside world? Outside of these walls, the walls of this building, how do we show joy out there? I think we show it regularly inside church, and we celebrate together, and, and we do that. But how do we do that outside? And some of the ways that I thought we could try that are worshiping with our family outside the walls of this church. Worship, at, worship God at school or, or at work. And what does that look like? I think it'll be different for every person because we all have different circumstances. Maybe, maybe it's singing. Um, I know somebody that posts quotes online and people tell him all the time, wow, that, I needed that today. That's what I needed. He's, he's, uh, he's sharing that joy outside the walls of the church. Um, and, uh, and I think we can invite people to the joy that we have here. If we have joy here, why wouldn't we want to invite people to this? Um, and so invite people to the church. Be positive and invite people, uh, excuse me, be positive in life and always find the best in others. Um, sometimes I am on the opposite side of that, and I don't mean to be, but um, I really want to find the best in others rather than, uh, than um, look for anything else. Uh, another one, maybe you have Christ as your first love if you have peace or shalom. The idea behind peace in the Bible is not simply the absence of conflict, but the restoration to wholeness of something that's broken and bringing it back together. Shalom is a peace that brings back together and makes whole. Um, or as it's stated in 2 Corinthians, as it's said numerous times, reconciliation. It's a bringing back together. Um, Jesus restores to wholeness the relationship between people and our creator. And that's really what peace is about in our lives. In John, in, excuse me, yeah, in John 14, 27, Jesus said, My peace I give to you. Because Jesus gives us his peace and has restored us to wholeness, we are to give peace to others. 
how, we, how does that look? What does that look like? And, and I think one of the ways that I thought about it is you can bring two perspectives together, two uh, not necessarily opposing perspectives, but um, two other perspectives that, don't, that aren't working out. And here's one that I had at home. We had a conflict. We have occasional conflict in my family. We have, we have five kids, and uh, sometimes there's, believe it or not, we have conflict. Um, I, I heard this scenario play out. There was the, our, our kids were talking, and one said, he kicked me on purpose. I was watching the whole thing happen, by the way, and I saw this. He kicked me on purpose. Perspective two, the other, our other child said, I didn't mean to. I was jumping and did it on accident. Now, you have to know, we have a trampoline, so uh, uncontrolled jumping is, uh, is a regular occurrence at our house as well. Um, and I could see the whole thing, and, and I, I knew and I could tell that the one was not trying to hurt the other, but the other was so certain of it. And so what I tried to do was create peace by removing the conflict, explaining he really didn't, he, he, he meant he was trying to avoid you, in fact. He it did it on accident. Remove, try to remove that conflict and then restore wholeness. Hey, let's jump together and just be aware of those around you. Now, I simplified a little bit. Yes, there was probably a little bit more to the details on that. And, uh, and everybody didn't go, woohoo, let's go jump now. It wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. But it was, um, it was a good moment for us to, uh, to remember that sometimes there's a different perspective than our own, and it's going to help us to bring us together and create peace if we can see the other perspective. Here's something that reminds me regularly to go to God with this, and that is that God has the perfect vantage point to have the perfect perspective on what's going on around us. So if we feel like we're, we're not able to help two people come together on that, ask God for help to give you an idea of what to do um, because he has the perfect perspective. Um, and the last one I'm going to hit on this morning is you may have Christ as your first love if you have hope. The Hebrew word for hope is kavah, and it means to wait with tension. Today, we wait for our Savior's return. We wait through the struggles this world brings. We wait for the release from this world's tensions. And we have hope that God's salvation is on the way. Hope, very similarly to joy, is a choice. We choose to hope in Jesus' return. We choose to hope that he will create a new heaven and a new earth. And we choose to hope in new life in us from Christ. It's when we focus, I want to end here, it's when we focus on Jesus that we find joy that is not fleeting. We find peace that is beyond understanding. We find hope of life forever with God, and we find that we are loved by Jesus the Savior who came to give us new life. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you absolutely did come to give us new life. You bring to us joy. You bring to us peace. And we find hope in you forever. And God, today, we invite you in to do your work in our hearts. Let the words stick with us that you want. And strike from our minds what you don't want us to keep from what's been spoken this morning. God, we love you. 
We praise you and we honor you today, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.